What's up, everyone? This is episode 114 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Okay, I'm going to switch things up a little bit for you today. Um, you know, you, you got your usual episode outline that you're used to. I'm a man of routine. I like that. Um, I am not going to do headlines. I'm not going to do mail or anything like that because I've got Steve with me already and we're going to jump right in. So for those of you that are regular listeners to the show, today's guest needs no introduction. I believe he holds the current record for guest appearances on this show by now by a long shot. Uh, some of you know him as Steve. Some of you know him as S. Howley 2003. To me, he'll always be Showley. But uh, Steve, how are things going for you? I'm doing well, Kyle, and I appreciate that introduction. I, I was, you know, on my ride home from work tonight, I was, I was comparing myself to Newman from Seinfeld. You know, you're, you're, you're the main, main act, but I'm that guy that shows up every now and then that people don't know what to make of, but they, they make fun of. So I'm glad to be here and, and hold that role in your show as a reoccurring, reoccurring I, actor. I think of you more like, um, you know, they had this crew on Saturday Night Live. They were like the six-time host club or whatever. Uh, yeah. It was like Steve Martin, you know, it's like a very yep, elite, yep. like John Goodman, I think was in there, a All very right, I'll, I'll elite <laughs> group of people. So I'd, I'd like to put you in there. I mean, not that I don't like Newman, but you know, a little more prestigious. So, <laughs> All right. So I sent Steve a list of eight topics before we sat down to record today. The majority of them are loosely based on things I've seen on his social media over the course of the last month. Uh, not all of them will be directly related. Some things will be longer than others. But I'm excited about this, so let's just move right into topic number one. So um, there are a lot of people that message me that don't remember your name or your handle, um, but you've been on the show so much that I know they're referring to you. They call you the Jay Crowder guy. So <laughs> some listeners, they might remember from your last appearance that you bought out a big Crowder collection. Yes, there was another one. Uh, we need updates. Right? What all have you done with that purchase since that time, and, and what else has been going on with the Crowder collection as of late? All right, so yeah, I'll jump into that. Um, so interestingly, the most recent update is a rash of emails, or rather DMs I've gotten in social media for um, Kenneth Fareed cards. Uh, there's an amazing <laughs> amazing influx of uh, Kenneth Fareed and Damari Carroll requests coming my way, but uh, that's not uncommon. Um, in all serious, and that, that's that's a true story. But in all seriousness, so... I, I I believe it. I I get people that send me, and I appreciate everything, by the way. But they I, I send me Tyler do. Lydon cards, like tucked in with TJ Leaf cards. Yeah, I'm like yep. these are not the same person. Not not even close. <laughs> Black guy with dreads. There, there's there's several <laughs> right. of them in the NBA. <laughs> right, just a few. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I guess I'll st I'll start with that collection buyout. So. Um, I've had a ton of fun with that. I really have. Um, the, the highlight is that the impetus for me to buy that collection was several one of ones in there that I wanted and then some NTRPAs, which I'm hoarding. But the, I don't even want to say financial justification because I, I, I knew it was a hobby related move and I, I, again, had the funds to do it. But the, the financial incentive in there was that there was a 2012-13 Prism Gold rookie out of 10 in there, which is such a hot set right now that that was my 
I guess you could call it a band aid. The the the, the card mm-hmm. that I knew would that would keep me from sinking the ship, and <laughs> I got that in, compared it to the one I already had, and actually ended up sending the one I already had in for grading. Came back a PSA ten, so that card is like the card that I will eventually sell and will help stabilize the purchase. If I sell it for what I believe I can get for. I'm going to come out at a at a net equal. And what I mean by net equal is the value that I put into the cards I wanted and I would have paid cash for is what I'm going to be out in the total purchase. Um, so I, it's been a fun process. A couple of the things that I've, I've done and, and stuff that I wouldn't have done normally with a, a card um, collection is I took some of the nicer Celtics cards actually and took out a little corner of a case in my LCS. Um, my LCS, I have a great relationship with them. They let, you know, very trusted customers put cards in there. We can price the back. They'll sell it. They'll take their cut, and then we get store credit. So um, I haven't been down in a few weeks, but I took some of the nice, like, select golds, um, very rare Celtics patches, and I, I just threw them in their case just to, to try that out, to see what that would be like. Mm-hmm. I sent... A lot of cards off. There was a a ton of kind of common autographed cards that I sent off to Com C. Ironic. I thought the rookie year ones would have sold well, given Crowder's um, playing the league and how the Suns are doing. And we're going to get to that. But what caught me by surprise was the cards that sold the best were actually the Celtics year cards, which was mm. uh, those sold in about a day or two. But I, I've done pretty well selling there. I've sent a few cards off to auction, which has been fun. I, I know, Kyle, you've talked about on your podcast before the enjoyment and anticipation of letting a card just run at auction. And I've I've done well with some sort of rookie patch autos or rookie patch cards that have done well, and that's been enjoyable. Did you um, get I as kept... lucky as I did with the semi-Ogele timing? Uh, you know, I did not. <laughs> so Crowd is a more consistent player, so I did not <laughs> get to hit that one career game because uh, I don't know if you checked into the Celtics lately. Shemmy's riding the bench. but um, So I did not hit that magic. time got lucky. that you did. Yeah, you, I just got lucky. No skill you involved got, there. You got beyond lucky. But no, but I, I, I did well, and it was fun, and I've, I've, I have enough duplicates from that buyout that i've been able to you know time it out and release a few at a time and really enjoy the process of moving cards trading cards so so that's been a lot of fun and again thankfully because of you know 2012 cards being what they are and the hype in the the card market right now i've it's been a pretty low risk move which i know you felt you get a lot of entertainment out of that somebody could buy out a jay crowder collection and because it's 2021 it's a low risk move but it's uh Time was right to do it. Yeah, you um, say that's low risk, though, but people don't realize, like, how impressive... I mean, you there was some strategy there, right? Like, how impressive yeah. the scale of what you picked up... Uh, it's it's not like Jay Crowder's still just, you know, moving, like, amazingly quick, I wouldn't no, think. No, 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 um, no. So for you to break even, like, that... I want to, like, make a trophy for you or something. That's just an incredible <laughs> accomplishment. Yeah, and I guess part of it is, and you know, I, I lose track of other people's perspective in the hobby. I mean, I got, I got back into the hobby in 2012, and I've been able to follow the trends as an adult over the years. And I'm by no means an investor or even keep track of values of cards. But the 2012 products have been such like a staple in the hobby for so many years that, and there's like 
first year select, first year immaculate, first year prism, that th there was enough there that I I knew that I'd be able to do okay. And and then mm -hmm. I also worked the seller, you know, the seller and I went back and forth frequently for you know extended weeks to, you know, I had a I had a number in mind. So there there was definitely some knowledge base. I don't even want to say there when I. But there's also there is some luck. Like the 2012 Prism Golds have escalated to a point where the offers I've got on that one card I have are beyond what I had averaged. So I I'm a dork. I put together a spreadsheet of what I thought the values were. Mm -hmm. The value is higher than I thought it would be based on the offers that I could move it at right now. And I had anticipated some. Oh, you use a great term. Experience cost, I think, is a term you use. Where I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm willing to pay certain numbers for just the experience of like the fun of buying out this collection, taking what I want, piecing it out, talking with other collectors, and so there is some luck with some of the stuff has just increased, you know, because of what's going on in the hobby right now. So there's definitely a lot of luck involved as well. But I I appreciate the accolades, um, and then I think the. The other interesting part is another Crowder collector popped up on eBay, and I know you messaged me about this seller. This was a much less intense uh, collection. It was an individual that had a large collection of Crowder rookie cards. Um, I had engaged with him based on one card he posted, ended up buying about 10 different cards from um, this seller. The seller has, still has a bunch of cards on eBay and frankly is is making life hard for me because he's posting the same rookie autos that i am right now so there's actually a competing market for these these rookie autos i'm trying to sell but i think the the best card i was able to pick up from him is i got a select gold rpa jersey number which i was really excited about in addition to a few rare rare rookie cards so that was fun and just a great guy to talk with and again the the connection the engagement the hobby i um, i think i've seen uh some raw Crowder autos in the investor raw show as well so there might there might be three <laughs> sellers out there that are are trying to move these things oh man yeah that yeah no, we won't <laughs> we, we, I, I took us there we won't go there but i yeah no. uh so but i do want to give us there is actually a four so i i've bought out a lot of cards from two other collectors there is a a fourth collector um, 1977 NCAA champs on Instagram. He he's a great dude. He goes back to Hobby Kings. Um, he's a Marquette fan, so he's got he, his his collection of baseball and basketball cards is extremely diverse. But he has a pretty significant Crowder collection and some cards that are um, at the top of my want list that I'll never be able to get from him. But I, I let's give him a shout out too. So there's there's four Crowder collectors in the world. I, I've picked up two of the other four collectors but um so there's a few of us out there i guess yeah shout um, out to him anyone that has a travis deaner and a jay crowder collection simultaneously major yeah. props no his his collection's cool and it's it's a ton of fun to definitely worth checking out on instagram it's it's he bought he you know he buys packs low-end stuff nicer stuff and he just rips it he just loves the hobby so he, he's a it's a good account to follow um more recent updates other than that stuff which happened several months ago i got i got very little for you guys I, to be honest with you uh, i got and kyle knows this got pretty burnt out on you know modern stuff i i hit a wall when i i did i was fortunate enough to pick up one of the three or four prism black one-on-ones that are 
out from this year's Prism release, and I got it in hand, and I just didn't care about it. It's a Miami Heat card. He signed with the Suns in the offseason. I'm a fan of the NBA. I follow careers. I follow teams. The fact that there's a modern card with a Heat logo and a Heat recognition on it, it does nothing for me. I'm just I'm frustrated with Panini. Um, I'm also frustrated with a lot of sellers out there. And I don't know if you're experiencing this Kyle at all as a team collector, but I, I'm, I'm done paying five or six bucks shipping for a $2 card. Now that there's options now that eBay will offer the, the plain white envelope with tracking option that you can get mm-hmm. for 91 cents. So, but I, I feel like sellers aren't picking up on that. So I'm not, I'm not going to pay $6 shipping for a Donruss green flood common that's 99 cents by now and so right. my my crowder collection from modern current release cards has been very very slow i've i've bought into a few breaks from i i think i was talking to you about this cow breakers that i just enjoy the content they put out there so i like to watch their breaks and so if i can get a player break for a couple bucks i'll do it just to have a reason to check in on their content because i i appreciate what they do but other than that, I, I haven't set up my spreadsheet yet for modern release. I, I, I've been very, very slow to pick up um, current cards. And I've, t- you know, give another shout out to, to Bart, one of the Damian Lillard collectors out there. Him and I were talking, you know, we're both of the mindset. If the very, very rare stuff pops up, will the completest in us and sort of the, you know, the desire to have it all, we're picking it up. But we're not we're not fighting for it this year. It's, we're kind of burnt out and. That's kind of how I'm feeling. So sl- slow, slow mail days these days at, at, at the S. Howley household. Well, I think you also realize, I mean, you've been in it, you've been in it long enough to know that the really rare stuff you might not see again. Um, yeah. And I'm not trying to, you know, encourage FOMO here, but it, it's a reality. You've been in this long enough, you know, some things, if you don't grab them, you're not going to see them again. Whereas all the lasers and floods and swirls and discos, you probably will. So get the rare stuff, um, just knowing that you'll want it later. Right. And then the other stuff, you know, I'm hoping that I run into some of this stuff at shows. So that's, that's kind of my hope because you got a lot of people that are, that have ripped prism. They're putting the nice stuff in their cases and then they're licking their wounds. They throw the rest of it in a box and I'm hoping to find stuff there that, and that's where I found you a Crowder, right? Not a big one, but I found you one. So, all right. So, uh, seeing as there hasn't been a ton of Crowder mail, um, you know, you talked about some of the things that you've been, you know, as far as with the card shop, some of your pivots, um, you know, we've talked about having to pivot before. I know you mentioned it even in a voicemail for the Pack to the Future podcast. I want to shout them out. Um, so tell us about, you know, what's some of the mail that you have been picking up if you're not getting Crowder stuff. Right. So, so to remind the remind your listeners, I'm I'm a Boston guy. If you can't tell from my disgusting accent, and I'm 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 going on forty years old. So, growing up in the '90s, um, I, I've been a basketball fan my whole whole life. So, a lot of what I've been pivoting to is um, cards that connect me back to that childhood, and or the reason I started collecting is to enjoy the history of the game. And so, cards that that bring back the entire history of either Celtics or the NBA in general. So I know uh, just to talk about a few cards, I've got two in front of me here. Um, and disclaimer, I 
completely 100% admit to um, ruining a card. So I, I definitely tore an autograph sticker off a card I'm about to talk about. So just that that's out there. But Who, who so, would do something <laughs> like that? I don't know, but I, I checked a YouTube account and I was able to see how to do it. So I got inspired. <laughs> um, but so growing up, my first... My very first memories of the Celtics were watching as like a five, six, eight-year-old watching the original Big Three with my grandmother. But like I wasn't collecting cards at that point. I didn't have that ability to ask my mother to, you know, I was six years old. I wasn't talking about going to the card shop, et cetera, et cetera. So I really started collecting in the, you know, early, in around 1990. And that was a transition from Bird and McHale to Reggie Lewis and D. Brown. So Reggie Lewis and D. Brown have been two players that I've, very subtly chased, you know, since I got back in the hobby. And recent mail day this week are a couple of gold cards. Um, shout out to my Boston collectors. We're in a group chat. We call Spectra Fat Prism. We, we all love it. I know not everyone does, but we love ourselves from Fat Prism. So I got a really cool Reggie Lewis uh, Spectra Gold patch card. It's kind of a weak patch. It's just trim. But there's something about having, you know, a piece of memorabilia from just someone that I so immensely looked up to and still remember the tragedy of his passing. I, I remember exactly where I was when I heard that news. So um, anything Reggie Lewis really hits home for me on an emotional level. So got a really cool patch card there. And then um, the card that I'll, I'll say I modified was a it's a D Brown card. So you mentioned Pack to the Future. I. I think it was Doc Chad had put out a a poll on Instagram, and if you guys don't follow these these guys, I mean they are, they do such a good job of getting their listeners involved. Doc had put out a a um, request of like some pivots that he could make, and I I'd mentioned that I had started looking into D Brown cards and in my you know my chase of his cards, and recently on eBay popped up a select gold patch auto. It's jersey numbered seven out of ten from. I think 1819 select and it was a sticker auto and it looked horrendous. Um, I want it for the right price. It's a really cool patch. Uh, and I, I peeled that sticker right off. And, and my hope is D is very involved with public signing. So I'm going to prep the card and send it off for an in-person signature. And it's, it's a PC card. It, if it ever gets moved, it'll be my kids. I'll make sure to put a post-it with it that I modified the card. Um, but it really excited about, you know, just doing something different, trying an in-person signature on a card. So that, that was fun. And Kyle, interrupt me if I'm, if I'm talking too much, but no, you're good. Um, I'm just, I'm just soaking it all in here. Yeah. So, and if, so just for your listeners to know, I mean, a few things that I'm about to talk about are going to, are going to dive Kyle and I into some of the conversation we have. And just so you guys know. One of the things I love about Kyle's podcast is he puts more effort into developing this than you guys realize. And, and he sent a lot of these topics to me in advance. So I was able to, you know, ironically, my my mail days have kind of aligned with stuff we're going to talk about. But the next mail day is is a really cool piece. It's it's a Com C mail day, which any of you guys that are, are fans of Com C know that Com C mail days are, are few and far <laughs> apart these days. But it's a it's a quad relic. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Parrish, Bill Russell, and Willis Reed. Um, getting a, a Bill Russell patch is way outside of my my price range right now. So to find a you know game use relic that was in my price range and just is such a, an iconic card. Uh, a lot of the upper deck relics for Russell were are a very 
obvious wool uh, warm-up mm-hmm. jacket, which I just think is is hilarious. You know, to think about warming up in the Boston Garden in a wool jacket, just it blows my mind what these guys were, were wearing back in the day. But it, it just ties me into the history of the game. So that's a really cool piece. You mentioned, you know, a Russell patch is, is out of your range. Um, I don't know if people realize, like, how few Russell relics there are. Yeah. So even in some of the prime sets, they just they would just put that wool in there. Um, yep. Now some of the exquisite would have like you know the what would you call maybe the piping or like the yep. the um, armholes um, you know yeah. kind of those areas where there were multiple uh, there was like green and yellow but otherwise yep. it's it a lot of that wool. Yeah, it's it's all. I mean, they must have bought like a couple of wool jackets. And when I say wool, if people aren't familiar with the relics, it almost looks like a swab of cotton ball or stuck in the card. Mm-hmm. Um, Exquisite seems to have had. They had. It seems like they had one jersey for Exquisite, but even the high end Exquisite uh, jumbo patches typically have what we would call just a napkin patch, a napkin swatch. Mm-hmm. It's like one almost three it looks like it's like a full postcard size of like just green jersey there's very very few true patch cards for for russell and and, they had a green jacket i know that because they have a nameplate which he which they didn't have you know the celtics didn't have nameplates on the jerseys so for the the sp game use nameplate set they use that jacket which i think i actually have found a picture of that auction online before but um, not oh, a lot so of cool. info out there about that though. Yeah. And so to pivot to kind of hall of famers, you know, you were talking about what am I doing if I'm not picking up Crowder and, and to add to that, I'm not picking up modern releases at all. Like I, I love some of the young Celtics right now. I I've moved a lot of my Jalen Brown stuff. I'm not picking up Peyton Pritchard. I'm not picking up Robert Williams anymore. I don't have a single Aaron Neesmith. Um, I'm just burnt out on modern releases and I was I was searching eBay. I you know we all have save searches, right? If we're in this hobby, we have save searches on eBay. And a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, um, a save search icon like a ding popped up that I hadn't seen pop up in probably three or four years, with the exception of once in the last four years, I should say. Um, and it's a it's a Celtics Hall of Famer that listeners of your show know, Kyle, but probably very few do. Um, Jim Lost Cutoff is mm-hmm. um, a Hall of Famer from the 50s. And sorry, I know you said don't move stuff around my desk, but I'm holding cards right now. So if you can hear him, <laughs> I apologize. Um, I'm going to leave that in. So those of you, if your ears hurt, <laughs> it's Steve's fault. Yeah, exactly. It's my fault. Um, but I'm just looking at the card. So he is a Hall of Famer. I've talked before about my collecting of wanting to get Celtics Hall of Famers rookie cards. And when I first had that idea, I wanted to get autographs to go along with them. But there were a couple players that the completest in me knew I couldn't get autographs of. So I stopped that search. And one of them was was Losky. And the reason being, he only has one on-card autograph um, from an actual like certified product. And that's Chronology. It's a very short printed card that popped up on eBay a few weeks ago. First time in years I've seen it and I, I jumped all over it. And it just, it woke something up in me that I was back on track of wanting to get, you know, one autograph from all these Celtics legends. So I picked up the Losi um, chronology on card and then I picked up a 96 tops reprint 
uh, Sam Jones, which I is probably one of the nicest on card autographs I've I have in my collection. It's just it's it's in the the style of the '69 tops because uh, Sam Jones was a rookie in '57, but he didn't make '57 tops um, within the set. So when they released his original reprint, it was in the style of the '69 top. So uh, just a couple of really cool legends that I've been picking up, and that's been the focus of my PC recently. I'm really pivoting away from modern cards and looking to pick up some cards that represent the history of the Celtics. And one of the things I'm doing with that is trying to get cards from sets that I never collected or maybe I wasn't involved with. So for instance, Robert Parrish has a chronology canvas card. So that is on my watch list right now. Um, Koozies in 99 Retro Incredibles, and I don't have a card from that set. I am waiting on a card, a Casey Jones um, Upper Deck Legendaries Auto to show up, so I don't have a card from that set. So I'm trying to like diversify not only autos and cards that I don't have, but also sets that I'm not familiar with and haven't owned before. So I'm looking, I'm really excited about that. It's not going to be like my Crowder collection where I was picking up a card a day and the the mail guy was dropping stuff off every day and I was ripping through mail and it was fun. It's, it's going to be a different experience where maybe one card a week or one card a month, but um, that's been a really fun pivot. And then the final pivot I've had is the card I picked up is not a pivot. Um, it's a, it's a 1957's Topps Clyde Lavalette rookie. It's a PSA 8 off center. Had a really fun poll on Instagram asking people if they would prefer a, a qualifier versus like a lower grade and particularly for 57 tops and you know specifically I, I I will I'll take a qualifier of off center because so many of these cards are off centered but um, it's a gorgeous copy um, Clyde finished his last two years with the Celtics he's a Hall of Famer so it fits that part of my collection one of the very few um, Hall of Famers to play for the Celtics that I needed their rookie but when I picked up this card, I also realized that just based on my collecting goals, I was going to own just over 20% of the 57 tops uh, complete set. It's an 80 card set. I went into a deep dive into researching the, the um, set and uh, I have decided to chase the entire set. So I, another pivot for the next, it's going to take several years, but I am going to Working and completing the complete 1957 top set. So I'm, I'm really excited about that as well. So, okay. So save that thought because I do want to talk about that and how you're going to approach that um, later on. Uh, before we move on, let's, um, if you don't mind, um, explain qualifier to people when you say that. Because I think some people maybe aren't as familiar with that. Right. Okay. Good point. So PSA does not have subgrades, right? So at BGS... If I'm just looking at the top two, I'm not going to get into like SGC and HGA and all those. But BGS is known for they give a grade for the card, then they have subgrades based on surface, corner, centering, it's edges, right? Mm -hmm. uh, PSA doesn't do that. They do what they call qualifiers. So, and it depends on how you submit the card. You can request no qualifiers. But what PSA will do is they have several different qualifiers. So, MC means miscut. OC means off-center. Um, MK means there's a marking on the card, a pencil mark, an indentation, etc. I don't, I don't know all of them, but those would be examples. So what PSA will do is they will give, like this, this Clyde that I have, 
the colorings i mean amazing for this card he he's a pasty dude it's a pale background this is one that fades pretty easily the the coloring i mean the shading in his hair is there the shadowing's there the edges look good the border's still fairly white the corners aren't that soft so it's it's a strong representation of this card but it is it's up and to the left it's off center so instead of docking the card and making it you know um, the hobby perception is that a qualifier docks at two points. So instead of marking it a five or a six, which could mean the surface is jacked up, the corners are frayed and rounded. You know, because they don't give they don't give those they don't give those those subgrades. They give the grader an option of of offering a couple of qualifiers. So it's a it's a crisp card with good coloring that happens to be off center. So they say the overall condition of the card is an eight but it's off center. So they give a qualifier of that OC. Um, and the same thing where if there was no border on it, they might give it a seven with a qualifier of an MC and miscut. So it's it's a way of of denoting specifically what the concerns are with the card. Um, in certain sets, normally I, I don't want anything to do with a qualifier, but certain sets like 57 tops where you can get a PSA six that is off center and rounded corners are bad coloring. I'll take a, a clean copy that that is off center for the same price that I would pay for a PSA five or six. Um, but it just gives you a little more information about what the main concern is with the card, especially when you're buying it online and you know you can't really gauge it in hand. Right. Let me preface this by saying um, I'll buy cards that are crumpled up. Um, yes. However, in your poll, I voted no qualifiers. Um, to me, that's cheating. Um, <laughs> so, so like if you've got a, a seven with an off center qualifier, that's a fake seven to me. Um, but that's why we all collect differently right now. If I can get a, if I can get a card with a qualifier for cheaper than what I think the card would grade in general, I'm all over yeah. it. Right. It doesn't really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me what's on the slab. Um, cause if right. I'm buying something with qualifiers, there's a reason why I like that card anyway. Um, yeah. but I just want to, I just, I just had to let my vote be heard here. So everyone could, could know that. Um, and, and I hear that and I'm, I'm going to counter that. So I think, I think the important piece there is when you're buying online, right? And you have to mm -hmm. know a set. I personally, if I'm looking at 57 tops, I want good color and I want centered. I don't care about the edges of the corners. I really don't. I want the card to have good eye appeal. Buying online, it's really tough, especially where so many of the like the the coloring is so faded, especially the in-game action ones. That if I can buy a card and know what the issue is with it, and have good confidence that the color, the the ink's going to be rich, the image is going to be clean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna opt towards that again for. You got to kind of know the price range of the card. Right. I, I paid for this about what a PSA five or six goes for, so I I knew like the range I was in. But I would prefer to have an off-centered, but richly saturated colored card. And so I think that's where for me the the qualifiers help when buying online. Now, if, again, if I'm in person, I'm not even looking at the grade. I'm looking at the card. But I, I want that that distinction. Um, with some sets as far as what I'm buying online. You've seen my um, my koozie rookie. There's there is no top border. It might it might be like three pixels worth 
Um, yep. But if yeah, if that if that had a qualifier, it'd be a pretty decent grade, I think, or, yeah. or better yeah, grade. Absolutely. But it's an SGC two as it is, and I and I do like it in the SGC slab, um, the new the modern label with the old card. For some reason, that's a really good combo in my as far as I appeal goes. Um, I agree. Okay, so you mentioned. Uh, I'm trying. I'm going back a little bit and running through what all you said. You mentioned ComC and um, how ComC mail days are kind of like unicorns right now. And um, you know, I had one a little while ago. I'm, I'm wondering if there will ever be another one again. Someone on my, on my Twitter, I was I was complaining about them this week, and someone said, "Yes, my ComC cards are essentially an NFT right now." <laughs> I and, saw uh, that. I, I said, you know what, you can't, can't sum it up any better than that. But, um, I did see the owner on an episode of sports card live with Jeremy Lee. I thought Jeremy asked good questions. Um, doesn't mean I was happy with all the responses. Um, doesn't mean that, you know, they were running things like a competent company would, but, um, you know, they talked about certain things like would users want to, um, put aside or forego eBay listings for a while if it could just speed things up just even the smallest amount. And he seemed, he didn't really, the owner didn't really seem like he wanted that at all. And to me, it's like, yeah, absolutely. As a user, I would want that. Um, I'm not asking you to fix Com C, but could you weigh in on that just a little bit? Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that you saw that because I, I watched it too. I'll, I'll admit that I... I was very much looking forward to that interview and I, I turned it off halfway through out of frustration. And I, I only say that because I both through my social media and, you know, not that my, you know, take on things has too much weight, but I, I've been a pretty strong supporter of ComC. And I also really appreciate what they've had to offer over the years. If, if their company worked well, I would do maybe all of my selling through them. I just, I think it's so, the concept is so well developed that I would really appreciate being able to do it. Uh, there's also some fringe benefits that you're buying and selling in store credit. So if you sell a bunch of stuff and have the option to buy one higher end card, you get to avoid the tax man a little bit. And, and there's other, you know, benefits in addition to the ease of doing it that I appreciate. And, you know, we, we talked about, I think last time I was on with you, Kyle, we talked about some frustration around hearing from Beckett around their fake slabs. And mm-hmm. that was easy for me, me to digest because I don't really participate with Beckett grading. This was tougher for me to, to listen to as far as um, the feedback provided because I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't hold a lot of confidence in what they were saying. And it's a company that I've invested a lot of time and resources into. And, um, you know, they talked about, how they, you know, it was almost, I felt it was a little bit of a pity party where it's like, well, we go above and beyond because we put individual SKUs to every single card we scan. And, you know, we, our company, the input to our company has grown a hundred X, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't have any answers to it. Uh, and that, right. that was my real concern. I get, if you go into Com C right now and you, Search for most recently submitted cards. I get where the backlog's coming from. I, I swear, I checked some mornings. It looks like 20 guys went and busted retail blasters and submitted every single card. I, I went on the prepping for this, Kyle. I went on this morning and just did that, like, recently submitted search. I think there was 
nine I think there was 85 1992 Tom Gugliotta tops rookies <laughs> so currently yeah. in their inventory, right? So, but what are they doing about that? You can't put individual SKUs in scans and they were priced at 35 cents. So people are selling these cards for a loss. They right. need to the, the it's clearly a very inefficient process and it shouldn't their only job is to sell and ship cards. It should not take me three months to get a card shipped to me. To me. And what's right. really concerning is the amount, uh, the, the negative publicity. It's there. My sales have slowed down on their, on their site. And I've had several people tell me that, that if they see a Com C listing on eBay, they're not buying it because they buy it. They don't get the card and they have to request a refund. So, yeah, they should probably put a pause to eBay right now until they can fix their shipping because their their feedback is sinking daily on that site and, and something needs to happen. And I want – you probably don't remember this, Cal, but I, I messaged you at the start of the pandemic saying this is a huge opportunity for one company to, to step up and I really hope it's ComC because they seem to really have the understanding of the hobby and right. they they have done nothing to to address you know pivoting with the hobby and, and as a result i think both sellers and buyers that are are at a disadvantage right now it's to me it's really disheartening i, I could go on and on but i'll stop there well as much as i hate stock images and trust and i mean that was my gripe with stock x yep. right so you guys have heard me complain about this before um that's one of my frustrations with burbank right and i'm not trashing burbank i understand why they do it um, you know, I'm thinking maybe that wouldn't be a bad model for Com C for anything that's under a certain price threshold or anything that averages under a certain price threshold. And I don't know how all that would, you know, the logistics of all of that, but, um, some of the, you, you know, like you said, I log on there, I have a tab for recently added pacers. I mean, that tab stays up on my computer 24 seven, um, so I can refresh it. And there are some days where I have to make sure that it didn't reset to lowest priced instead of recently yeah. added because it's just, and it's not their fault, right? But it's just junk that's being sent yeah. in, just endless piles of junk. So, um, you know, I want to see them write the ship. I, I am, you know, some of the stuff I heard like, oh, well, we had stuff on the wrong shelf, so it got shipped out. It's like, are you kidding me? Um, yeah, there was a lot of that. Just cringe, absolute cringe. But like I said, I... You know, I thought Jeremy handled it well. I liked his questions, um, and and we're we're rooting for you, Compsy, right? But please, really please um, listen to people. You know, listen to they they didn't want to do the eBay thing because they said, well, then people would be mad that they pulled the eBay listings down. I don't think a lot of people are going to be mad about that. You know, it's it's like you got to choose your battles. But anyway, um, I could go on and like you said, we could both probably go on and on about that. Uh, but let's talk about some of your non-card mail. Uh, one of one of the things I saw on your Instagram was a little concerning to me. I had to make sure it was you. Um, you had a bright orange Phoenix Suns hoodie as one of your mail days. Now, I know Crowder's on the Suns, so people are going to try and justify that. But uh, what's up with that? Does, does, doesn't that make you feel like a traitor walking around in that thing? Oh, no, I enjoy it. Um no, I mean, I, I live in Boston, right? It's hoodie weather up here eight months out of the year, I feel like. So we always need a good hoodie. and But I, I no. So part of it is I, 
I posted that what you saw on Instagram, and I think I tagged you know a Suns fan on it. I think it's at Suns fan. Uh, you know, a little fresh comment about I'm done with the Celtics. Can I be a, a, a Suns fan for the rest of the season? But it was really about, you know, Crowder signed a three-year contract and I wanted something to represent that side of my, my fandom. So that's all the hoodie was, but the post was definitely more about I'm a little burnt out on the Celtics and the way the season's going. And, hey, my favorite player in the league that's not a Celtics happens to be on this team that's playing really quality basketball and I enjoy watching right now. So I'll rock this hoodie a little more often is, is what that was. Okay, so you're telling me if you're going to, and let me try and say this right, the Garden, okay, if you're going there and it's, uh, I don't know, cold for me is a little different. I'm in Florida. Let's say it's 40 degrees. Okay, that's cold, right? So it's 40 degrees. They're playing the Suns. What are you wearing? Yeah, I'm probably raw. I'm no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wear the Crowder shirt. So there was a card show in Boston a few weeks ago. I, I wore my Crowder Celtics player tee. How's that for an okay. answer? Okay. All right. All right. That works. Well, okay. So in the off chance that some of my listeners at home also want to dress like a trader, um, or even yeah. if they want to support their favorite team, they can do so and support this show in the process. So before I move on to the rest of today's talking points, real quick, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. So as a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com and click either the Fanatics link or the eBay logo at the top, shop as planned, and the Wax Museum podcast gets a small commission in the process. It's a win-win. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. What's up, guys? This is Boston Steve from the Pack the Future podcast, and you're listening to Wicked Smart Kyle on Wax the Museum podcast. Keep it up, kids. All right, there you have it. I told Steve, I said, we're not doing a soundbite. Do my transition. And he did that. Um, so thank you, Steve. Um, I did not tell you what to say either. So pack to the future. There you have it. All right, so you're walking around sporting a Suns hoodie now, regardless of what you're saying. And yep. the last I checked, they were at the top of the West. So everyone likes supporting a winner. Um, your hometown Celtics, on the other hand, are not at the top of their conference. They're closer to my injury-riddled Pacers. Um, and I know we could go we could go deep into this. Give me a quick summary. What's what's wrong with the Celtics? You know, Kyle, I think my frustration is, to be honest, and I'm going to toss this back to you in the Pacers too because I want to hear your take on it. I don't know if I'm frustrated at the season and how the pandemic has impacted my, my fandom uh, from frustrated the Celtics, and that's the real confusing part for me. So I don't. I'm a Boston fan. I'm spoiled. I, I I I'm 40 years old. I've seen how many championships in my time, right? So part of it is too many. Like yeah, but in part of it, think like people think, oh, Boston's all about winning championships. I, that's not my 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 deal. What I'm looking for is entertainment. I love picking apart the team. I love looking at the analytics. I love thinking about, hey, are we going to re-sign Isaiah Thomas to a max contract or trade him? Does Marcus Smart belong in this team or not? I, I love picking apart the trends in the team. And this year, I can't do this. It is a cl- it's just a cluster. So for the Celtics, 
they've met like they've lost out on it's well over 130 player days they call it from covid so players that have missed time because of quarantine during the season that they haven't been able to practice or participate we have kemba that can't play back-to-backs and it seems like every game's a back-to-back the mm-hmm. roster is so inconsistent we've had a bunch of injuries I just I don't know if I can follow the team and say it's a sinking ship and these are the changes that I would like to see happen or if it's we just need to get out of this condensed schedule coming out of a shortened off season, get back to a regular schedule and this is the right team. So I don't even know what to analyze, which is my frustration. So then what's wrong with the Celtics? I don't know, right? So there's individual players that I've really really enjoyed. Tatum's taken another step. Anybody that follows my collection knows I'm a huge Jalen Brown supporter on and off the court. I can't stop watching Robert Williams and everything he's done on the court. I thought when he was drafted, he was the next Javal McGee to just like make boneheaded plays and screw up. And he's turned into just this very dynamic two-way player. There's individual accolades that I could give. I don't know what this team is. And it's probably mm. the first time as a fan that I, I could say, I don't know what this team was. I knew what the 2006-2007 Celtics were. I know knew what the 0405 Celtics were. I loved watching those teams evolve, even though I knew the outcome wasn't going to be greatness. I, I don't know what this team is. And, and I, I just, I, I'm so confused and it's just not fun. <laughs> and one game they will play the best basketball, the ball will move. And another game you'll watch them and the other team will be moving the ball, swinging it around the court. And then the Celtics get an offense and it's just clogged lanes everywhere and over dribbling. And I, I hate watching that. And I just, I'm not enjoying the season, but I don't know what's wrong with the Celtics. And I, I, I feel like I can't even give analysis because I don't know if it's roster management, coaching, pandemic, it's reality. It's probably all three somehow combined, but it's just yeah. a, it's a very confusing season. And I know your Pacers aren't doing as well as you had hoped. And I'm, you guys had a coaching change. You guys have had some roster movement. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what your take on the season is. Yeah, so, um, you know, the Pacers are a little different situation. I think as far as uh, missing COVID games, they're like maybe the fewest in the league, if not like top three. Like mm-hmm. we've, we have not been hit by COVID itself. Um, although I think like every other team, we have been hit by the ripples of, of COVID and the pandemic. Um, which, you know, you would say, well, that makes a level playing field, but it's, it's been a disaster. And, um, I'm the kind of guy that I schedule my week around Pacers games. And in fact, you didn't ask me to do this, but I scheduled, um, to record on Tuesday night because there was no Pacers and no Celtics game. Um, so, because I, I know kind of how that works. Right. But then when I sat down, I, I anticipate these games and then I sat down to watch them and I absolutely hate it right now. And it's just like, I don't want to turn it off because I've kind of, that's been my thing is like, I watch, I watch all the games. Right. Um, I mean, I probably watched 90% of the games, um, start to finish in the Jim O'Brien era for the Pacers. So, um, it's frustrating. I don't like watching them. They've had a lot of injuries. Um, we don't like, we didn't have any big men. We, we signed a guy from the mad ants, um, and to attend a, and immediately played him 42 minutes in a regulation game. (laughs) 
And as and I do like the guy, right? O'Shea Brissett. I, I really like, you know, we might have actually found a gem here. It's That's how bad our scouting is. It's the people my, that the my, Raptors my fa- let go. <laughs> not, not to interrupt you, my fantasy team likes him too. Yes, yeah. How, well, how are they liking Edmund Sumner right now? Uh, I draw. I cut. I cut him. Yeah. Hey. So that's another thing. He got hurt. So now we got all these guys are getting hurt, um, and it's a disaster. And I, I kind of don't want him to make the play in tournament or the playoffs. I, I'm I, with you. I'm, and that that's weird to say. That is never something I would say. I need a break from this team. Yep. And um, maybe maybe you know what I thought I would love year-round basketball and yes we had our we had our i don't know three four five month break um when covid first started but then it's pretty much been non-stop since then and it, i think it's affected the play on the court and I, I think also maybe maybe i need maybe we need a break just so we can appreciate what we have um you know we never really got that so who knows i don't know anyway i'm not you're not happy with the celtics i'm not happy with the pacers um, and then combine that with the fact that we're not happy with the the, the new basketball releases. Um, it makes it hard to like anything current about our organization. So it is what it is. But one thing that you do like, how's that for a segue? One thing you uh, do like is, is cracking slabs, um, which I don't know how many people thought I was going there. Um, it's been a little bit since I've seen you performing surgery on, at least on Instagram. Maybe it's happened. I don't see every post. I, I know it's still happening though. Um, and seeing as you're the master, I ask you to watch my video, which I think you already did voluntarily of me nervously cracking a couple of one-on-one, like really nice cards, right? Every player, yeah. every game, one-on-one tags, Logoman tags. Um, I cracked them out of their BGS slabs. I threw it on my YouTube I need some feedback. How did I do? <laughs> Rate my performance. Um, it, it was a it was a five out of ten. Five because <laughs> you didn't damage the cards, but but it was messy, dude. It was messy. Um, so just to give a little feedback, I'm I'm gonna pretend that some of you listeners don't uh, can't now, picture. Now hold BGS just though. for reference, though. I'm sorry. Just for reference, um, I practiced by watching your video. So I right. just want I want to put that out, I want to put that out there as well. So okay, proceed. Yeah, but I said I said do step one, and you went to step five as your first step. So. <laughs> what was step? What is step one? Cut at the top. I didn't do that. I started at no, the bottom. No, you start at the bottom. So I'm going to get to that. So let okay. Me, so just so your your listeners, a BGS slab is a thick slab. Kyle was cutting into. A 130 point card that was encased. So we're probably talking a solid half inch of plastic. Now, a BGS slab from the top of the slab to the top of the card, I measured, I've got a ruler next to me, is a full inch and a half. From the bottom of the slab to the bottom of the card is a just over half an inch. So it's a lot closer. Now, to cut through this thick brick of plastic, you have you can't use scissors. You're, you're using a pretty thick um, metal utensil. For some reason, Kyle, you decided to attack <laughs> from the very narrow corner at the bottom as opposed to cut through the top, which was just, I didn't understand why you'd go to the most delicate part of the card to make your cut when you had never done this. Your hands were shaking and you <laughs> went know. to... The, I, so <laughs> I even practiced on another card, but yeah. you know, that split so clean, I felt so good about yeah. it. 
And, uh, no. So, to continue the Pack to the Future love fest, that, um, I can't take credit for this. I had... I love dropping hammers on slabs. I just think it's fun. I Shrapnel goes everywhere. I do it in the summer, outside. Um, Tim, one of the co-hosts, Junkie Tim, reached out to me in complete disgust and sent me a link to a YouTube video for cracking BGS slab. And I will, I'll post to my story on Friday after Kyle drops this, this episode of how I do it. Um, but if you look at the very top of BGS slab, there's a, there's a Beckett logo, and it spells out Beckett. Right between the C and the K, if you make a, a vertical clip down into the slab, it cracks right down the middle. If it doesn't go all the way through, then you go to the bottom and make a much shallower cut, and, and the whole slab will cut right down top to bottom, and you can just pull the slab apart. Uh, Kyle was the... Dude, you were you were so nervous. I know that was a card that was very <laughs> meaningful to you. Your hands were shaking, and you went right at the bottom. And your the thought process was there, but I could tell the nerves had had stopped you from planning it out. I mean, you had these these snips that from the top would have never touched the card. From the bottom, <laughs> you could have clipped off, you know, <laughs> a third of the card. So that's my only real critique. But it's also. I think there's something about going through the slip. It does. It cracks a lot cleaner if you go from the top. But you're also, I mean, we can all agree that metal snips and a cardboard, you know, card don't go well together. So staying away from the card. But um, I'm going to put, I will, like I said, I'll share. And the card I'm holding is a card I've been looking at for, for years and have thought about, about busting out. And I know once I do, I'll never be able to sell it for, you know, what I could sell it for if I want to. But it's a PC card. So... You might you might finally get to see another another action shot. Kyle. I you know I so I, you guys were all you I say you guys all you slab crackers, uh, you and Ryan and and Mind Cycle and the whole crew, you were telling me how therapeutic it is. Oh yeah. Um, you know and I, and I like I'm not gonna crack a slab unless I have a legitimate reason. Well, I couldn't take good pictures of these cards, so that was a good reason for me. Um, that was, uh, and, and even though it was almost disastrous, that felt really good <laughs> when it, it yeah. kind of cracked in, I, I, I said it was like uh, Rafiki on the Lion King when he breaks open the, the fruit at the start, it <laughs> just went right down the middle. Um, it's just such a good feeling. Now, um, you, now you didn't make fun of my tools, Jason, uh, small town. He said, what, what is that weak pair of, you know, whatever, that you were using. I said, I don't know, man, that's the only thing I had in the garage. So, um, I was a little impatient as well. Maybe I could have gotten, uh, you know, the right tools, but the cards look great. The cards are not damaged. So yeah. like you said, I get a five. You made it. Yep. All right. So, um, let's transition real quick. We've got two more things here that I want to talk about. One of them we've already kind of introed. You mentioned that you are, um, kind of as a byproduct of another project you're making decent progress on the 57 58 top set and um you messaged me about this and you didn't you know it, it's kind of weird how our we're shifting to the same things at the same time and we didn't really plan that or orchestrate that i was also kind of in the middle of, of piecing it of starting to piece this set together in fact i got four slabbed um, cards today from that set, which I will not be cracking and they don't have qualifiers, but, um, how, what, you know, you said this is going to take you a long time. I, I know you've already got the Russell 
right? So you've got such a head start on me that I'll probably never have the Russell, even though I want one. Um, how are you going to go about piecing this thing together? So, I mean, I think I've mentioned on, well, to back up, yeah, I've got the Russell. I've had it for years. It goes back to a previous PC chase of mine as far as Celtics Hall of Fame. I've also got the Koozie, which is another. Mm-hmm. It's not near the Russell, but it's a it's a high-value card. It's I've jumped the, quite a bit, too. It, it has, yeah. And I've got I've got the Tom Heinsohn, which is one of the shorter print cards and, and tough to find. So I've got, I've got those three, which are some of the more valuable cards or expensive cards in the set. I've always wanted a Pettit rookie because of his connection and battles with the Celtics. So that was what really pushed me towards, not to mention Ramsey and, and Losey and you know, Lovellette that I've already spoken about that fit into another collection of mine that will just naturally push me towards having a, a pretty significant chunk of the set. Um, how I'm going to go about it, I'm so odd, and I'm sure many other collectors are going to, you know, identify with this because my higher-end cards from that set, the Russell, the Koozie, et cetera, are PSA-graded. I would love to get them all raw and put them in a binder, but I'm not going to spend the money on a, another Russell. Mm-hmm. And I'm, but I, I can't put together the set and then have the Russell separate in a, in a PSA slab, not in the binder. So I'm going to look for mid-grade PSA cards. Uh, there's part of me that knows that I'll, I'll either sell it as a set way down the line to pay for kids' college or you know, my kids will deal with it when I'm you know, six feet under. So knowing that it's graded will help. I'm going to just take my time. I'm going to, right now I'm focusing on the shorter print, you know, looking at the Celtics cards. So Celtics players, um, I recently picked up a Willie Nalls, which was a card I wanted for my PC. Uh, he was the fifth member of the first ever all black starting five that played for the Celtics. Um, so I'm looking for cards that still fit the PC. And then as I, I mentioned, I think in your, you know, I've said it on here before, I also work in public education, so I have time off during the summer. Um, I'm going to spend some time this summer traveling to different card shops in, you know, the greater New England area. I hope to find, you know, some in those areas. If I can, you know, if I find a PSA 2, but it's in a card shop in southern New Hampshire, I'll absolutely pick that up and add it to the collection. And I'll, I'm just going to spend some time just continuing to research it, picking up the cards that I want for my PC. I've organized a checklist already. I'm going to fill that out. And once I get to the point where I have the cards that I would want for my PC, then I'll start to, you know, figure out how to acquire. I'd love to pick up lots. You know, I'll hit up social media. I'll try for trades. I'm not, I'm going to complete the set at some point, but I'm not chasing at this point. You know, if it was something where, you know, I'm at, 15 cards right now it's an 80 card set i have five more that i want for my pc that'll hit me at 20 that's 25 percent following that if i pick up three or four a year even if it just means that i pick them up as singles on ebay i'll just slowly you know put it together so i don't i don't have a master plan but it's it's starting with pc goals and then it's going to just going to expand from there yeah it's always good when your um kind of your collections can overlap which is one yeah. thing, like I collect um, Hall of Fame patches and NBA Finals patches. So like, you know, if I, I if I can get a Shaq NBA Finals patch, that covers both of them. So, yep. um, you know, you're kind of trying to do the same thing there. So I, I think that's always good. 
um, and always helps with cost as well. So next, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you your next one, um, your next name that I think you should pursue. I'm not gonna give you one. Okay. I don't have an extra, but um, Bob Leonard, Slick Leonard, that's your next one. Go get go. all right. Go although now might not be the best time to buy that one, but <laughs> um, we'll see what's out there. Um, all right, so last talking point here. We've mentioned the Pack to the Future podcast already. Um, you know, obviously we both mentioned it enough that, um, we think you should listen to it. It's a really good show. I enjoy it every Saturday, new episode. And then they knew they do new hobby packs throughout the week, which I think, I don't know what day it's coming out. Um, I'm on one of the hobby packs this week, but, um, just a little background at the end of last year, two of the three hosts, um, Chad and Ricky had a foot race where the winner gets to woo slap so when I say woo slap, I mean like Ric Flair, like a big old chop to the chest, uh, the other person. So Chad was the big winner. So he has the rights to the woo slap, but he doesn't know what he's going to do with it. So Steve and I have both called into their show um, to weigh in and kind of give some of our thoughts. But I want to know, Steve, if, if you had the opportunity to fantasy book this whole thing, um, how exactly would this go down? So obviously it's a, it's a card collection um, podcast. So what I would like to see is for them, for Chad to open a fresh wax pack, take the first common card out of that pack and just smack it so hard into Ricky's <laughs> chest that it embeds into his chest and it stays there for, until it falls off. And I, I have a feeling there'd be some anxiety sweat in those man boobs that that card would probably <laughs> stick for a good amount of times. So I would like to see just a, a layer of cardboard between Chad's hand and the chest as he, as he lays down that woo smack. It would look like one of those little uh, bazooka tattoos that you gave your daughter from some yes. of those packs you opened. <laughs> exactly. All right. So there, you, Chad, there, there's your blueprint right there. That's all you need to know. Um, we want an imprint and we want a little player. Maybe, maybe get us a, or maybe a, a Jeff Foster, right? Give him a little Jeff Foster tattoo. No, Reggie Miller. It's Reg- got to be a Reggie Miller. Yeah. Got to be Reggie Miller, right? <laughs> Can't shred it if it's on you. All right. So, um, Steve, uh, it's going to be in the title of the episode and we've mentioned it already several times. Um, go ahead and give us your social media handles. And then if there's anything you want to plug, as always, um, this time is yours. Yeah, so um, as Kyle says, Shawley, uh, that's S-H-O-W-L-E-Y, 2003 on pretty much every forum, social media out there. I just love talking hobby. I say it every time on the show. I appreciate it, Kyle. But honestly, reach out to me with any questions or just to, to share mail days. It's always good to talk cardboard or, or the NBA. Um and that's really, that's really all I have. So I appreciate your time, Kyle. And as like I said, as always, I appreciate you inviting me on and, and chatting with me. All right. Well, there you have it. I always like having Steve on because it's nice to have another voice every once in a while. And I think he brings an interesting perspective. I like hearing about what he's doing in the hobby. Maybe there was something that he or I said today that resonated with you. He just gave his handle, but... Uh, feel free to reach out to me on social media as well. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. I'm also on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site. This is very simple. Before you go to purchase or bid on an item, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. 
There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that. It should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow that click. It's a simple way to support the show, but if multiple people do that, it really helps me out. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. <laughs>